Turn your Bibles tonight to 2 Samuel 23. 2 Samuel 23, last week we, we looked at three of David's mighty men, and we looked at a specific characteristic in each one of those three men's life, that all three men denied the enemy from taking ground that God had given to them. There were... Uh, there was a troop coming, there was an army coming, there were 800 men in their way, and all three of those men said, no, I am going to hold on to the ground that God has given to me. I'm not going to give in to the enemy. This week, what I want to do is, is continue through this list of David's mighty men and look at a specific story that God has placed here in his word for us, not by accident. God's, out of all of the stories that could have been put here, God puts, starting in verse 13, a story of these three men who went down to bring David a seemingly insignificant cup of water. And so let's begin tonight, as you found your place there in, in 2 Samuel 23, and starting in verse 13. And three of the thirty chief went down and came to David in the harvest time unto the cave of Adullam, Adullam. And the troop of the Philistines pitched in the valley of Rephraim. And David was then in a hold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me a drink of water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate." And the three mighty men brake through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink thereof, but poured it out unto the Lord. And he said, Be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is not this the blood of the men that went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore he would not drink it. These, thing, these things did these three mighty men. And tonight, I look at, at just this, this simple story that God has chosen out of all of the stories of these men's lives that God would have wanted us right here at this moment to know about. God has chosen this passage of Scripture for us tonight. And as we look through just the actions of these mighty men and the, and the actions of the king, Tonight, I believe the Lord would have us to focus on what it is to have a heart after the king's desire. Let's pray. Father, would you take this simple passage of scripture and, and point it directly to, to our heart? God, would you help us to be men and women after your heart? And Lord, not just, not just commandments, but Lord, your desires as well. Lord, would we be near to your heart tonight in Jesus' name? Amen. Why would the Lord out of all of the things that these men have done. And I'm sure there were many stories that the Lord could have included, but he chose this one for our instruction. I believe these three men exemplify what it means to be men after the king's heart. And tonight I'm going to take that and apply it to our lives to, as we are to be men and women after the king of king's heart. We are to be after, after God's, God's heart. They listened for the king's words. Look at verse 15. They, they must have been standing by in this moment as David is longing. He's, he's pouring out his desire before the Lord. It says, And David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me 
drink of, uh, give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. He's longing for something, a well that's back in his home country that now is a war zone. It's completely covered with Philistines. And these three men, they're standing by and they're listening to the king's words. They're listening for, for the king and his desires and his thoughts. And this shows us a few things here about the king's words that, that, that were key in these men's lives. The king's words were important to them. And I want to ask you tonight, is the king's word important to you? How would you show that? How would you know that? How would others know that by your life? Are you easily interrupted from listening to the king's word? When you read the Bible, is it something so important to you that nothing around you can distract you? Think about a text. Beep, 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 beep. And it comes up and you say, oh, I've... I've got to answer this text or a timer that goes off for a meal or anything else in our life so insignificant that can distract us from the king's word that we allow to distract us from the king's word. The king's words were important to them. And not only that, but the king's words compelled them to action. They acted on it. They, they, they gave permission, as it were, while the king is not standing there giving them a command, they gave permission for the king's words to so influence their life that it compelled them to act on it. Proverbs chapter 7 and verses 1 through 3, talk, uh, Solomon is talking to his son. He says, My son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. Keep my commandments and live, and my law as the apple of thine eye. Bind them upon thy fingers, write them upon the table of thine heart. And he goes into the rest of that passage there in chapter 7 about the strange woman and keeping your heart uh, uh, holy holy uh, towards the Lord. The king's words were important to them, even when it it wasn't a command to them. The king's words here in verse 15 were not a command. They weren't even a request. It was a desire. It was his desire, and that was important enough to them that it compelled them to act. Not just compelled them to act, but think about what they did. They risked their lives because they knew that this was the king's desire that he would have a cup of water. Look at verse 16. And the three mighty men break through the host of the Philistines. That's a very small phrase to to explain to us what really happened there. That was not an easy task. They break through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was, by, that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. And I don't know what they were doing, whether they were fighting their way there, grabbing the cup of water and having to not spill a drop as they're fighting their way back. I don't know what it looked like. But whatever it was, they were set on having a heart that was fully there to complete what their king's desire was for them. And I wonder if, if, it is, if it is that way in our lives. See, today in churches, and I'm going to say good churches, good Baptist, good Bible-believing churches today, we aren't set on our king's desire. In fact, there are good Bible-believing churches today 
with, with people that sit and fill a pew that are more concerned about figuring out all the little details of how, of how to get around the clear commands of Scripture, of how to get around the clear commands of God. They're not even close to focusing on God's desire, let alone His commands. Today, if we are going to be men and women of the Word, men and women after God's own heart, it's going to go beyond the commands of Scripture. It's going to be saying, God, I want to listen for your desires. And when it's, even when it's not convenient, I want, to be, I want to be so in tune with you that I don't even have to feel a prompting of you to talk to someone. I know it's your heart to, to give someone the gospel. I know it's your heart to go. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6, and we're going to end there tonight. I want to give you a biblical illustration of one and what it looks like to be a man after God's desire. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Probably most of you are familiar with this scene as Isaiah is there seeing the glory of God, the throne room of God. And I'm going to read this familiar passage for us, verses 1 through 8. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon the throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Now, there are many different things that you could focus on as you meditate throughout that passage. I'm going to hone in on one tonight. We have a king of kings who is high and lifted up, he is holy, and he is looking for men and women who have a heart after his desire. Not just his commands. He expects us to, 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 to obey his commands. But that men and women would be after his desire. Isaiah heard the words. He counted them important. Who shall I send and who will go for us? And immediately he says, when his, sin was, when his sin was taken care of, when he had confessed, when he got right, uh, right before the Lord about his, his, his being, have, being a man of unclean lips, he immediately, there was a difference in his life. He was concerned about the Lord's desires. He was concerned about the king's desires. So how can you and I, how can you be a man or woman after God's desires, after the king's desires? Number one, be listening for the king's words. 
Are you daily listening for the king's words? Or are you easily distracted from God's word, from time with God? Do you count the king's words preeminent in your life? That means nothing else holds water to, to, to God's word. Nothing else is going to, 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 to come up to that, that level in your life. Do you count the king's words preeminent? Do they take control in your life? Do you allow the king's words to compel you to action? Jesus is a gentleman. He's not going to force you to obey his words or to, to even listen to his desires. Jesus will knock. It's our job to open and open our hearts and to allow him. And, and I... God will, will oftentimes chastise us and, and get us to where we are thirsty for God again. God is good and faithful to do that, but he is never going to force us. God is a, Jesus is a gentleman. I heard, a, heard an old preacher once say that. The last thing I want us to see is just be sensitive to not only the commands of your king, but also his desires. And the way you do that is by spending time with God in His Word, getting to know His Word. Saying, Lord, this morning I want this to be more than just a book that I read a bunch of neat stories. And Lord, this is, this, these are my marching orders for the day. Lord, these are coming directly from You. This is, this is a message for my life right here, right now. And do you allow Him to compel you to action when it comes to others, not only for yourself, but for others? Or are you waiting for something to be convenient before you do it? I'm going to end with this. Uh, I had a preacher friend call me this week, and he told me that God was, God was teaching him much through a specific situation in his life. He, he, uh, he would go out and, and try to reach a, a certain family, and he was, he was pretty lax about it. He would, they, it was a, a man and his wife and a couple kids. And he was, he was pretty lax. He would do it when it was convenient, when he, maybe you would pass by and he would see someone in there. But he never really went out of his way to go and visit them. And he just recently found out that the man landed in jail for three to five years. And so he, he told me, he said, I, I went over and I... I visited him, and God prompted me to apologize to him and tell him, you know, it's probably, he said, he said to the man across the glass, he said, I'm sorry, it was probably my fault of being lax and not being faithful to the Lord that I didn't visit you more often, that I didn't, that I didn't do that, and it made an impact on the man, but the man said, no, pastor, it was my decisions that put me here, and he was very repentant, and I believe he'll find the Lord soon. But here this pastor is saying to me over the phone there, he said, that man might be owning up to his fault, but he said, God is teaching me a specific lesson. He said, God does not, uh, God, God doesn't, God doesn't always command or request us to be about his business. It takes men and women after God's own heart to be about God's business when it's not convenient. 
when you think of, you know, I should, I should be going and, and visiting that person, I should go out of my way to, to do it, not just when I drive by. That's being about God's business. That's being after God's desires. So may the Lord tonight help us to be men and women who are listening for the King's desire. Let's pray.